our sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. Hello, hello. Yes, it is that time of the week and a big welcome to Dr. Kimberly Earl and Cheryl Shaw. Welcome back to you both. Thank you. Good to be here. Kimberly, what are we looking at today? We're going to talk about some of the problems with... Um, pets that they have, their their pedigree pets and their problems. Ah, okay, interesting, because a lot of people do have designer pets and possibly don't know about the issues that may come along with them. Absolutely. Okay, and Cheryl, what are we chatting about next? We're going to be talking about senior dogs and the things that we need to help improve their lives. We've got to look after our little old men and ladies, don't we? We certainly do. Mm, they're so cute and old and uh, <laughs> grumpy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marie from Dora Creek, you have a question for Kimberly. Yes, I do. Um, I've got a Cocker Spaniel who I rescued from a puppy farm. Um, she's about six years old and she has a lot of issues, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going away tomorrow. We're going to be camping at Hawk's Nest yep. in our caravan. And I just want to know if there's anything I can do to keep her calm and get her um, used to people, environment... Or do you think it's too soon? Well, is the so is the problem you're worried about the travel or just being in a different location or what, um, what part she, do you think she, you're, she's not going to cope with? She's happy with Ian and I and Chloe at home, mm-hmm. but she's still, I've had her for a year, but she still will not go up to people that come and visit. Okay, that's, that's and, fine. I think, you know... Um, cutting it a bit fine in terms of doing anything real major with her but yeah. I would, if she's happy with you guys you're taking her with you i would just don't push her to a point where you're trying to get her out and interactive so uh you know while you're camping keep her nice and close to home keep her on a um on a lead or a tether so she doesn't have a lot of um free range where she's not can't get herself into a situation where she might be startled by somebody where she's sort of feels separated from you so keep her close to the campsite um, particularly because it's an unusual location for her so any chance that she does get startled and run off there's a much higher risk that you won't get her back because she's more likely to take off so you know keep her with you and keep her close and just act really confident around her and um, don't push her to sort of go and um, and interact with people because she's obviously a dog who coming from puppy farm would not have been well socialized in that critical socialization period um just let her experience it if she hasn't done camping with you before that's going to be already a big sort of challenge emotionally and cognitively for her and i think just let her experience it the first time if there's other people around you with kids things like that you know i would just ask them even if she's not an aggressive dog i mean she's a cocker they're usually pretty good but i would just ask them keep the kids away um you know she's a bit she's a bit anxious she doesn't know what she's doing and see how she responds and if she changes her mind and if she's you know wanting to approach people well then you know on a leash let her walk by you know maybe walk her through the campsite if there's other people around but don't push her to do that because that's something that you know can be quite um stressful for them so okay well thank you so much you're very welcome (laughs) have a fun weekend Yes, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Marie. Taking your calls, 49216216, free line right now if you've got a question for Dr. Kimberly Earl. Now, Cheryl, we're looking at our senior citizens today, and I am talking about our, our senior dogs. Yes, well, you've got a senior dog, and so do I, and we need to make sure that we're keeping them comfortable in their older age. And there's a lot of things that we need to make changes that sometimes we forget to do. 
One of them is to make sure that their bedding is really, really comfortable. Obviously, if it's um, nice and um, not too high, because if they're elevated too much, older dogs have trouble getting in and out. So we need to make sure that the bed is comfortable and that it offers a lot of support for their old bones because some of them, you know, they start to lose weight and they're not as, you know, flexible. Padded. Padded is really important. <laughs> also, there are beds out there now that you can get that are heated. So if you've got a dog that's in an, you know, an environment that's a little bit cooler, it can be an idea to have a... a a warm pad um, that you know your dog can be quite comfortable. The other thing is that if your dog's a little bit incontinent, a, obviously putting down a waterproof bed is a great idea. But if your dog is incontinent, it's often a great idea just to go down and see your vet, get a check-up. I mean, senior pets certainly should be checked a lot more um, because if there's anything going on, your vet's going to be able to help with that. Often the bowl is another issue that when the dog is feeding or drinking, we need to make sure that it's not right down on the ground, that we elevate it so that the dog's not bending um, and it's not having to try to, to get down low to get to its bowl, particularly for your taller dogs. Yes. I mean, for your little gizmo, it's not going to be, you know, a big deal. Yeah, he takes after me in the height department, so he's <laughs> okay. So it is important, though, that we, we check things. Sometimes their mobility isn't great either. So, you know, those things that we used to do, going for walks and things, can't always, you know, happen anymore. You might be able to take them, you know, a short walk, but not very far. But if your dog is really um, struggling with walking, there are now prams, and I know this sounds crazy, <laughs> but they're prams for dogs that you can get and take your dog out because they do like a change of environment. They like to see and smell things. And, you know, whilst you might feel a little silly in the beginning taking your dog out, what will happen is your dog will be able to sniff and smell things, just see things, and it will certainly change the dog's outlook about life, not just sitting, you know, lonely. You've taken me back when I was a little girl, Peaches, who was my, my first love, my, my little puppy dog. I put her in a pram, and I used to wheel her around while living at Ningen. Everyone thought I was a complete weirdo, of course, because it wasn't a, a dog pram, it was a doll pram. Right. And she sat with her legs through and her paws up and, yeah. And enjoyed it. Oh, she loved it. Yeah. She used to love it. So, yeah, there you go. Now now it's coming back but for a purpose yeah well you know dogs do like to get out and you know if they're just staying at home all of the time they're not getting a lot of sensory smells they you know everything's the same and it just will change their outlook it's like if we get pet up in the house for too long you know we go a little bit stir crazy yeah nice to change the environment i just yeah. hope there's it's easier to pick a pram for a dog than it is for a kid because there's so many different <laughs> ones on the market cheryl it's very confusing oh, it's been a while for me so yeah <laughs> The other thing is, too, going for a drive, taking your dog. If your dog was a dog that liked to travel, pop them in the car and, you know, wind that window down and take them for a drive around the beaches. Let them smell things. Let them enjoy their life. We really owe it to our senior dogs to get them out and about. The other thing is with their nails, often because they are more sedentary, they don't wear their nails down. So it's a good idea to be checking those dogs' nails, making sure that they're nice and short. Otherwise, they're going to grow into the dog's pads and create a lot of problems and a lot of pain. And they make it harder for them to walk as well. Absolutely. So they can go lame. They might want to walk, but they, if they've got the, leg, the nails that are really... Um, long it can cause splay leg or splay you know the toes can splay and then they're not walking normally on the pads and that actually compounds the problem and it can actually resonate up the joints and up the legs more okay yeah, yeah. that's really it's really quite bad if a dog's um, <laughs> nails get too long there's so many problems that they can have um, vision. The other thing is, too, with dogs, when they start to get old, often their eyesight starts to go. So we need to make sure that um, we don't go moving furniture around on them because they're going to bump into things at night and can become quite, you know, disoriented sure. even in the daytime. Mm.
You, you notice um, a lot of old dogs, people will, will come to me and say, I think something's going on with the vision. You start to be able to see the lens in the back of the eye a little bit the more. The cloudy blue. The cloudy bluing, yeah. yeah. So in most dogs, that's a normal change that happens in old age. It's called lens sclerosis. Um, and it doesn't cause blindness, but it certainly does affect their vision, particularly in low light and with yes. regards to depth perception. So it's really, really common that an older dog, you're putting them out um, you know, to toilet before bed, uh, and they don't want to go down those two or three steps that they you know to get onto the grass they they're usually okay during the day but at sure. night time um, they'll have a hard time and so they're standing at the top of the stairs going oh I can't really see where the steps are um, often if you flick a light on um, that will be really helpful for them they'll just get a little bit better perception of, of okay. where the steps are and, yeah. and they're worried about tripping and falling yeah so, of course um, so yeah so so taking care of their you know vision and trying to make them um, life a little bit easier and like make them less anxious about it can be helpful yeah dr. Kimberly I did that with my dogs I put sensor lights on so when they yep. move there's actually lighting for them yeah. to be able to see the other thing is too some dogs can't manage ramps um, or steps I should say so mm -hmm. you can get these designer ramps as well or you can build a ramp that they can go up and down a lot easier if you've got a lot of steps at home so they're just a few things that we need to look out for and making sure that you know our seniors are being cared for um, because sometimes they can't let us know some really good points as always Cheryl you always raise things and I go oh I probably should be doing that <laughs> so it's always very beneficial and Liz from Beresfield you would like to ask her something about your four-year-old dog. Ah, uh, yes, that's correct. What can um, I help you what with? I need... Sorry. Sorry, I just can say, what can I help you with? Ah, uh, okay. Um, when I take my dog for a walk, he will walk chopper and then just stop. I cannot drag him. I cannot <laughs> do nothing. As soon as I turn around, he will kneel with my arm out trying to get home. <laughs> Okay, so he's not liking being on the walk. So there's not a problem with the walking in terms no. of he ca he's not having a hard time physically moving. It's just that he doesn't want to go. No, that's right. Okay. He, he will go for a walk, yep. but will only get so far, and then he wants to come home. He okay. doesn't like to walk too far. Right. And what kind of dog is he? Um, a bitter. Bitter. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean... There can be a number of different things. Does it happen in any direction? Like, if you go any direction from your house, is it is it always about the same direction and always the same? Um... No, it doesn't matter which way I go. We've tried going up past the school, and that he gets to the school, and that's as far he wants okay. to go home. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he may he may be worried about you know he doesn't know that environment. It's not familiar. He's probably getting to a point where he starts to hear or smell other dogs, and he's he's worried about them, things that he's not familiar with. So there could be a bit of an anxiety component. There may also be, um, you know, a fitness component to it as well, where he's not feeling. You know, he's sort of like I've gone far enough. I don't feel like I want to keep going. I, I've, you know, had my exercise. He's four, so he's pretty young, and they usually have a good um, amount of energy. Um, I was just saying to the girls, my my dog is quite happy to go out and be out and about and run off leash and things like that, but she hates being on her actual lead. She doesn't like to be on the lead. And so we'll often get down the road and she'll decide, no, I'm just going to stop. Now, if I were to take her off the lead and let her just walk beside me, um, she'd be quite happy to keep going and, and do her little sniffing business, but she doesn't really like being off the lead so, or on the lead, sorry. So, you know, it sounds to me like there's maybe a... Um, uh, anxiety component to it or a confidence component uh, and I guess what I would do is let him get to the point where he's stopping um, and then once he's there and he's stopped and he doesn't want to go just stand there for a little bit 
and let him, you know, pat him, talk to him. Um, don't sort of um, console him so much, but just, you know, be really confident around him and, and talking with him and, um, you know, maybe bribe him with some treats and see if you, once he's had a bit of a chance to sort of listen to the sounds and hear and, you know, smell the smells and, and just familiarize himself a little bit, see if you can get him to go on. It's not going to be a high um, high intensity workout for you. You know, you're going to have to probably <laughs> stop and, and he might, you know, go another 15 or 20 meters um, and then need to stop again. Um, but, you know, there's a good chance that he's just not feeling comfortable about something in that area um, and he's, he's needing a bit more you know sort of adjustment time um, if you know people nearby you know stop and talk to the neighbors and let him just get bored with being there then he'll usually be more prone to sort of you know willing to, to keep going and, and move on a little bit further and it might be that he um, isn't really comfortable in strange environments so you might start really slowly but taking him to you know put him in the car and pack him into sort of some different environments and see if you can get him to walk um, in those other environments or, or at least get him used to sort of feeling more confident in other environments if he's if he's not familiar with them. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, we do take him down to the beach quite a bit, so yeah. he, he likes that. He likes that. But That's he good. does have an issue with loud noise. He hates it. Yeah. As soon as something happens, um, the lawnmower or the vacuum, yeah. if the vacuum's on, he'll go outside. If the lawnmower's on, he'll come inside. You yeah. know, he just hates noise. That's right. And he may yeah. be associating something, you know, maybe one time you walked there and you didn't think anything of it, but a loud truck went by or somebody's car backfired or... Um, a Harley Davidson, you know, roared past, and you don't remember it because it, it was nothing to you, but to him it was really scary, and so he's feeling uncomfortable when he gets past your house. Good one. Thank you very much, Liz. Taking your calls, 49216216. Now, Kimberly, we're looking at designer pets today and some of the issues that do come along with these. Yeah, so um, I think people are starting to become a bit more aware of it, but we have a real problem um, all, all through the world, really, but particularly in Australia with designer pets and some of the problems that we have with them. And so we're talking about um, things like squashy-faced dogs and pugs and Pekingese mm -hmm. and things um, French bulldogs at the moment, little Frenchies are very popular dogs and a lot of times people get them and they don't realize that these dogs are actually uh, in some cases in a really bad way. The, the way that humans have bred them, we've turned them into animals who, who we've really compromised their welfare. And the RSPCA and the Australian Veterinary Association have a, a bit of a campaign going um, at the moment to try to raise awareness for this. It, it affects a lot of different dogs and mm. a lot of different breeds. And it's not just dogs. There's, there's problems with cats and rabbits and things like that too. Um, trying to, to be more mindful about the fact that we do the breeding, we pick the, the dogs that are going ahead, that are you know fostering new generations, um, but we're actually doing these animals a real disservice. So the, the most obvious one is the squashy-faced breeds, like mm. pugs and like Frenchies. These dogs have serious, serious problems breathing. And they're popular, obviously, because they're, they're very cute. cute but and their personalities, they're great little dogs. Their personalities are really, really lovely. But we really need to sort of stop thinking about them as... Um, you know, just we want them as squashy faced as possible. And this is unfortunately the way the breed has come about is people, you know, when you look at pugs from 200 years ago, they looked way different. Um, and over time, we've gone, oh, we really like that short nosed look and we really like the bulgy eye look because it makes them look more cute and infantile and everybody loves the cuteness of a baby. Um, but we've really done these dogs a disservice. Mm. And I think it's really important for people who are looking at uh, getting, you know, purebred dog that you spend a bit of time looking into the breed and looking at what what kind of problems they might have um, because a lot of people will spend a lot of money on some of these little dogs and then they come to me as a vet and say I want my dog vaccinated and I say 
that's great. You've got a really healthy um, specimen of the dog, except that he's got really, really stenotic nares. So those are the nostrils. They often have very, very tight little nostrils, and they need to have surgery um, to correct that, and they often need to have surgery to co correct the soft palate. And they can be in a life-threatening situation if we don't do that as wow. they get older. It, I mean, it really um, not only is, is compromising their day-to-day -day welfare, they talk about air hunger. A lot of these dogs, particularly in warm weather, will, will struggle with air hunger. So um, same as asthmatics having a, a major asthma attack have a panic and a, a condition called air hunger. I mean, it's, it's literally panic. And a lot of these dogs will experience this multiple times throughout their life. And you know how daily. awful it is yourself when you've got a cold yeah. or you're struggling to get breath it's it's horrible so it's horrible to think that a lot of these pets are living with this that's right day in and day out and, and there certainly are things that we can do as veterinarians to make some improvements on that but it's not really fair for the breed as a whole to say let's just keep breeding these dogs we'll just do the cosmetic surgery it's not cosmetic it's i mean it's, it's helpful but we'll just do surgery on them to make the individuals um you know comfortable it's not really it's not a good enough. way to look at it so we're trying to so the really push is to not to not get these breeds really well, at the end of the day i think they're fantastic little little dogs and and you know part of what we've done when we've changed their physical um natures we've changed their their characters as well into dogs that are really really lovely sociable family animals but what we need to do now is say okay we have these animals who have really lovely temperaments we now need to go back and say um, it's time for us to start breeding for slightly longer noses. Let's take the dog um, that doesn't have the squashiest face, its eyeballs aren't popping out of its head. Mm. Let's take the one that's got the nice personality but has a bit more length to its nose, whose eyes are, are more normal position, and let's start breeding from them. And let's try to go back, rewind the clock, and go back to a time when they're more normal anatomically so that they can breathe. I mean, breathing is, is a major component of life. If you can't breathe, you can't survive. There's other dogs like bulldogs. Um, you know, they can't have babies on their own. They can't ha deliver. We've bred them to have such big heads and such narrow pelvises. We like that look of big, buffy at the front and narrow, skinny waist and, and narrow at the back. It physically means they can't. They're not capable of delivering puppies anymore. They wow. always have to have a C-section, and that's not natural. No, it's not. Um, you know, problems can always arise, but it's not natural. It's not good for the breed. Um, with cats, we have things like people love um, little Scottish fold cats. You know, they have these little curled over ears. Um, that's actually a cartilage deformity, and it doesn't just affect the ears. That's what you see on the outside is you've got these beautiful little Scottish fold ears um, that are super cute. But every Scottish fold cat has cartilage abnormalities throughout all their joints. They live a painful life. Wow. They live a short wow. life, and it's painful. And so we really need to take into account what we're doing when we're breeding these animals on mass. Well, it's a very selfish thing it when is, we talk absolutely. about it. When you break it down and be honest, it's extremely selfish it's that we're doing this. And they wouldn't live in a natural situation. You know, you wouldn't be able to, you know, in a wild situation, you would never have bulldogs because they can't reproduce on their own. You know, the yeah. mother would die in labor. Um, and so it wouldn't be passed on. And so we're sort of taking nature into our own hands, but at the expense of the welfare of these animals. So, Kimberly, for, for people that do um, have these breeds, if they are noticing some problems, they can obviously bring them into their local vet. And as Absolutely. you said, there are certain things that you can do to help their, yeah, their quality of right. life, which I is mean, a positive. Nothing's going to happen fast. Nothing's going to happen overnight. And that's not to mean... I, I love pugs. I think they're fantastic oh, they're yes, little dogs they're and Boston Terriers and things. However. Um, <laughs> however, we need to take it into consideration. And I think a lot of people get a dog, they see them on TV, they think they're super cute. They don't necessarily... Again, it has comes down to looking into um, you know, what 
kind of dog you're getting. Researching Researching them, yeah. finding out about them, um, insuring them for some of these problems that you're you're going to need to do, you know, do some. And not be surprised when, you know, when they're starting to have problems. Um, ideally, you get them fixed before they have problems, particularly with these little, with yeah. these little squashy-faced dogs. Food for thought, absolutely. Mm. Judy in Macquarie Hills, you've got a six-year-old pooch and you want to know how to clean his or her teeth. That's right, yes. Um, it's a miniature schnauzer and um, she, of course, has a mind of her own and uh, I noticed that she gets a bit of tartar build-up, but it's yep. like brown. Yep. And I've been told that um, chicken necks, chewing chicken necks and things like that are, are help that, but also dental stick, because she hates dental sticks. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So, so yeah, I mean, the, the, the very best thing you can do, obviously, is to actually use a dog, um, a dog toothpaste and a toothbrush, a soft toothbrush, and actually brush their teeth. And most dogs... Um, will learn to to tolerate that pretty well. They like the taste. The, the toothpaste for dogs is usually chicken or beef flavored, and they usually learn to like it quite a lot. What we find, though, Vanessa, is that I'm um, sorry, Judy, where I got Vanessa from, um, <laughs> is that is that um, once your dog has that brown staining on the teeth, that's calcified calculus. So because they're not like us, they're not brushing their teeth every day. We get plaque on our teeth, and then we brush it away, and we sort of start fresh once or twice a day, hopefully. Um, with dogs, the the plaque stays there and very quickly it calcifies and so it becomes this really hard crust on the teeth and it's not just on the teeth but it goes up underneath the gum lines a bit too and so what we usually recommend is um, the ideal situation is you you get your dog's teeth um, professionally cleaned by a veterinarian under anesthesia so that we can clean up under the gum line as well and then when you're starting with a, a nice clean fresh palate um you know, start with the brushing. I mean, you can start the brushing beforehand, but no brushing is ever going to take that calculus off of the teeth. So you can start getting them used to it. Um, and literally, that the best thing is brushing the teeth, ideally daily, but certainly three or four times a week can be really, really helpful. It doesn't need to take a long time. You're mostly focusing on the outside surfaces of the teeth, um, just again to, to try to remove that um, plaque before it calcifies. And that can be really, really helpful. Um, and start slow with them so that you, you know, use... Um, more toothpaste than probably is required, but you're trying to do it to, you know, entice them, entice them to it. Certainly, dental sticks can be helpful for dogs that will chew them. Um, my dog loves dental sticks, but she bites them in half and swallows them, so they're not that useful because they're not, you know, using a lot of of time on the teeth. Dental diets can be really helpful. Uh, a lot of the veterinary um, sort of prescription type foods uh, will have, or the ranges will have a dental food, and they're usually a, a kibble that's uh, a bigger than normal kibble, and they they usually call them a viscoelastic kibble. So unlike a normal dog kibble, when the dog's tooth penetrates it, it just sort of crumbles around you. But these dental kibbles are just a touch softer. I mean, they don't feel softer when you touch them, but they're, they hold together a bit more so that when the dog bites down on them, they sort of allow the tooth to sink in and they can act as a physical sort of scraping on the teeth. So that can be a helpful thing. Fed over time, it can help to, um, again, reduce buildup of tartar, things like that. Um, Bones and chicken necks, things like that. These are these are controversial. Um, there's not really yeah. good evidence that they they actually do um, a lot. Certainly, we see some dogs, and the owners swear that left, right, and center that I feed my dog chicken necks, and the teeth can be really, really lovely. Um, but if you look at a lot of wild dog teeth, and they're eating a lot of bones, and a lot of those dogs have pretty rotten teeth, um, so there isn't really a lot of good evidence that eating bones and chicken necks and stuff can be helpful. And similar sort of thing, um, you know, a lot of dogs will chew on one side, so that doesn't help the other 
side. A lot of dogs will, um, you know, bite a chicken neck in half and swallow it. And you also have to remember that there's a lot of safety issues with feeding bones and chicken necks. So we, we not infrequently see dogs that have um, chicken necks or parts of them stuck in the esophagus or they can choke on them. They can have problems with constipation or penetration um, through intestinal tracts, things like that. So not something that is an ideal sort of scenario. So the thing we have to remember is that oral hygiene is individual to the individual animal and it has a lot to do with their genetic makeup. It has to do with the characteristics of their saliva, how much saliva they produce, what the pH of it is. Um, what, you know, little schnauzers, you said you've got a little schnauzer and they often have a lot of fur around the mouth and so Oftentimes they're getting little bits of fur in the mouth and they can cause microabrasions of the gum line which make their gums more prone to bacterial infection and that's what actually is the bacteria that are producing plaque. So sometimes keeping them with a shorter um, a shorter phase uh, can be helpful to sort of reduce the, um, the redevelopment of plaque, things like that. So it usually takes a multi-pronged approach, but if you're seeing a lot of brown stuff on the teeth, I'd pop into your local vet and um, find out what it's going to take to get the teeth cleaned and start with from okay. a clean slate. And we certainly see some dogs that they just their natural tendency is to develop a lot of plaque and tartar, and we, we do short dentals on them you know, almost annually for some dogs to try to keep their dental health good. Okay. She seems to go on between their teeth and then, yep. you know, her, between her teeth and, and that um, slowly covers yeah. you know, part of the bottom gum. Yeah. yeah, and then the gum, and then they can get big, like, little plates, in fact, of, of calculus there, so... Thank you, Cheryl Shaw, for coming in. Dr. My Kimberly pleasure. Earl, had some really good Thank callers you. today. It's been good, yeah. Some really interesting topics as well. Now, ladies, I know you're both mums, so firstly, happy Mother's Day. Oh, for thank Sunday. you. I bet you would like your children to win you a beautiful prize from Williams the Jewelers. Am I right? Sure. Nine carat gold, diamond, infinity, pendant, oh, wow. chain, mm-hmm. earrings. Sounds lovely. Well, look. Keep listening because coming up after one o'clock, we're going to play Who's Your Mama? Really easy to play. It's a famous celebrity mum. You just need to pick the mum. Give us a call on 49216216 and the prize could be yours. How good does that sound? Fabulous. Oh, I reckon. And everyone also gets to go to Designer Delights and treat mum. That's it from us. Have a great afternoon. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.